have you have you been training very much or have you been able to get out on court i, I was speaking to uh daniel a couple of days ago daniel nestor and he said that yeah. he, he hit a few balls with you and and someone else and i was like okay well that's good at least uh yeah as he is out there training i'm out there um so i got really lucky when i so i was at indian wells and then it got canceled um so i flew there from mexico okay. and uh got canceled and i was like okay you know i'll at this point the tour wasn't suspended so i was like okay well, i'll go home and then um uh sorry hang out there don't i don't need to go home um and i'll just play the next tournament you know it's yeah. just this one weird thing that happened and then uh that obviously wasn't the case everything got suspended so i went home um and had to quarantine and uh and then it was march so toronto in march is not super nice um everything shut down um mm. and i was lucky enough to have a friend of mine a couple of friends of mine that have private courts in their backyards uh so we bundled up and uh practiced Good. on um, yeah on on the private courts actually with Braden Schnur who was yeah, in I know, Toronto yeah. I know Braden yes yeah yeah so and he was actually in Vancouver um a handful of weeks back so yeah. i practiced with him and my coach uh, Simon Bartram and his son William who is really good. He's 16 and he's a great player. So I'm like super lucky um to have like a great setup. Um yeah, and then as clubs started reopening, uh, I'm back to training where I normally train. So I practice at the Toronto Lawn Tennis Club, which is like the sister club for you guys. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, so I'm there with Simon and William and then Daniel is a member as well, so he'll sometimes like make an appearance and it's always fun. Of course. Uh, he's hilarious. So yeah, we practiced. he joined yeah. practice the other day. Um yeah. and there's a couple of the juniors, but the thing is the gyms have not reopened. So we've sort of made our condo space a mm -hmm. gym mm -hmm. uh and we're lucky that we have like bands and we have a barbell, got some plates um at, like just by luck, but for the most part like everything is sold out online. So Yeah. I don't know how people are doing it, but like we've been really lucky. Yeah, we we went out and bought a few um exercise items just like middle of March as this was happening, right? And we walked yeah. into one of the fitness stores and it was very little left, but whatever was left, you know, like Rebecca just grabbed a bunch yeah. and I grabbed a bunch and we just, you know, like those bands and thankfully, you know, nowadays there's so many options for working out and like you can do stuff with yeah. your weight and you know, you don't necessarily need a gym, but it's for me it was less motivating to be out on my balcony trying to work out versus in a gym environment where there's others as well but you know yeah. you make do with it right yeah i mean i i agree uh, i and dylan would agree with you too he like works out probably 5 6 days a week typically and he's <clears throat> found it a lot more like frustrating cuz mm -hmm. it's just there's only so like there's only so much you can do to maximize bands and yes. trx and stuff like that especially if you're like a guy trying to like put on muscle or keep a lot of muscle on yeah. it's it's tough so he's kind of like flatlined a bit but um i think like i don't know i'm trying i've got like a great program uh the wta has put together like a super good strength program that maximizes oh, what i have yeah so that's I've awesome equipment yeah i've given them my equipment and then they've put together a program for me a strength program that like Honestly, I don't think I could maximize what I have better. I'm so happy and it's like structured. So, you know, even if I don't feel motivated, like I have a plan so I just do it. Yeah. Um and then working with the fitness trainer, uh the Tennis Canada trainer here Clément, 
um, for like footwork and agility and, and stuff like that. So we'll go on like fields or we'll go on court because we can't go in the gym. Um, right. To be honest, like, yeah, like, is it perfect? No, but it's pretty darn close and it's a lot of fun. So that's awesome. Um, and how long have you been with Simon? I didn't know you were working with him as, as your coach. Uh, that's yeah. Simon's yeah. Uh, a friend of mine. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Simon's awesome. So he's been in my life um, uh, coaching to some extent, whether it was like, um, you know, full time like he is now or supplementarily, which, uh, you know, I would see him once a week or twice a week or whenever, whenever I was in town, I'd try and get to see him. Um, I think since I was nine years old, so, uh, yeah, she's at like 20 years now. I'm 29. <laughs> um, he's been kind of there since the mm. beginning and he's a great coach, um, yeah. knows me really well. Um, and we've just worked super well together and there's a lot of respect for each other. So, uh, I'm just really grateful to have him in my life. I wouldn't be who I am or where I am today without him. Um, What's, so your plan? Just, what's your what's your plan for this year sort of going forward now i mean obviously there's you know the tour has been suspended and all um you know where are you at right now with your planning how, how does that work not knowing when things are going to be restarting i mean there's like a you know there's the wta is great they've been giving up uh, us updates every week but the updates are as like great and helpful as things are with the communication it's like the world is changing every week like now the u.s is banned from the eu and you know <laughs> and the eu is banned from, from, the US. The <laughs> and from the u.s and there's like only 14 countries that um are actually allowed to come into the EU outside of the EU, I believe. I think, okay. um, so, you know, if there's tournaments in Europe, there's like a, you know, over 50% of the countries can't come in, which kind of rejects a lot of players. So, you know, as these rules are coming in and changing and opening and closing and, you know, all this stuff, it's really hard to make a plan. Um, as of now, the provisional calendar says that they are, they're going to be trying to come back and resume the tour in early August. So as of now, like that's mm. sort of what I have in mind. Um, and they're really making their best effort to put the U S open on, even though it's extremely controversial and, mm. uh, extremely limited. And, and in my opinion, not very fair. Um, but again, that is, a, I understand why they're trying to do it. Um, so yeah, at the moment I'm trying to like focus on that at the same time though. Um, you know, it is far off. It's, it's only early July. So I'm, I've got that deadline in mind. Um, I'm trying to keep as fit as I can also mentally happy because I don't want to like, okay, I got to like go crazy and train and all that stuff. And then, you know, burn out. That's never good. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that's never good. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just never good because then I won't come back. But, um, you know, I think mid-July people are, are they're hoping to have some clarity on the ATP and WT schedule. So mm -hmm. hopefully when that happens, um, mm -hmm. we can like sort of have a bit more of a direction. Yeah, of course. Well, and it's interesting, like you're saying, every week something's changing. Like I have friends from Europe that are texting me now and every day something different. You know, like in Serbia, they're now re-entering quarantine periods. Uh, Austria is closing off some borders to some of the other countries and you know, it's, it's, it's just interesting. It's hard to plan long-term, but you just got to take it, take it for what it is every day. And right. 
<laughs> exactly. I also, a friend of mine recently traveled to France from, um, from Canada. And she said to me that it was like, it was an experience that really turned her off. Um, mm -hmm. she, she, she got like, she was able to get in because she had paperwork showing that she's going there, um, to, to work for a certain amount of time at the Murata Blue Academy. Um, mm -hmm. she's contracted for them for a bit, but it was like, apparently, you know, you got the third degree and it was, um, like very uncomfortable. Uh, they like, it was very invasive with the temperature checks, right. um, screening. And it just, you just <clears throat> felt like you were under a microscope and they were like grilling you and it was, they would just turn you away for sure. If you yeah. didn't have proper documentation, like you could fly there and they just send you right back. Right. Um, it was just very uncomfortable and not welcoming or inviting at all. Right. So she's, she even said like, you know, I understand that if you have to resume for the tour, um, you know, hopefully the paperwork and everything will help you. But I don't think that I, like for herself, I don't think she didn't think she'd be traveling for a while, um, which was just interesting to hear. I haven't heard of it. I've, I've heard of people doing like domestic flights and stuff, but not. Not international. So yeah. Not so much like jumping over oceans. Right. So. <laughs> and so. We'll see like currently in your in your training regime sort of what does that look like are you finding ways to compete within practices or do you do you have any players i mean in toronto there there, there are quite a lot yeah. of locals i guess but um yeah finding ways of competing and and keeping that uh, competitive spirit alive not, yeah not, i mean not that, not that yours will ever shrink <laughs> i don't think <laughs> but, but yeah but how do you keep I, it up there totally i mean mm. i i feel like i you know take every practice super seriously um, and then I play points. Like I said, um, there's like a few players that I'm practicing with mainly juniors. Mm -hmm. Um, but cause now Braden is, is not in Toronto anymore at the moment, but, um, like the quality has been great. So we'll play points within practice. And then, um, like as you get closer to competition, should that happen? Like I'm going to be playing more practice points again. Like I am, I only play doubles at the moment, occasionally singles, but like, um, you know, it, it does, it makes it complicated because you need more bodies on the court, but at the same time, um, like it's, it's a different type of competing, like the points are really short and all that stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, you just find ways to tap in. Also the fact that I'm older, like I, I am 29. Um, I don't feel that I need as many, um, reps and i i don't feel that i need that as much like court time and maintenance and all that stuff as maybe the younger players do um like i've retired come back out of retirement taken yeah. a long break come back so like i know how that is it's not easy but i've been there so i think that experience might help hopefully of course, of course. Yes. And I mean, it's sort of, you've had a really interesting career and I was sort of, you know, I know you, but I've never really like researched you. <laughs> and so, you know, in preparation, I'm like, okay, let me, let me look up, look up some things around Sharon. And so, you know, now that you're, you're focusing more on doubles, how's that transition been? And, and do you have a set doubles player or a doubles partner currently that you, that you're training with, or is it a bit in the open right now as to um, who you'll be playing with and, and, and how's life as a doubles part, doubles player right now? Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's start with the first one. Uh, the transition, I mean, it was really interesting to go from like, you know, retired, didn't touch a racket to coaching and then, you know, got in, getting inspired to come back and play because of my fiance and, and his accident and what happened to him. So um, kind of coming back was really interesting. Uh, I didn't, I knew I wanted to for, for the goal of going to the Olympics, but it wasn't necessarily because I, I was so drawn and in love with tennis and I missed it. It was like a, 
okay, I want to do this for him. Um, so that was interesting coming back and kind of like learning how to love tennis again, learning how to love competing again in that environment. Right, and sorry, uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you there, but like, yeah, do you mind yeah. sharing that? Like the, what inspired you to come back through? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, through for sure. So, so Dylan had a, had a serious accident happen a few weeks before they announced the team for the 2018 uh, Pyeongchang Olympics. So my fiance, um, he was a Olympic uh, figure skater um, and he competed in Sochi for Canada and he got a silver medal there and he was supposed to go to Pyeongchang. So that's the backstory there. A few mm -hmm. weeks before, um, before nationals where they announced the team, um, he got in a serious accident while I was on the phone with him. He was, um, there was a, a 200 pound door um, unhinged. It was mirrored and it fell on his head. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, knocked him out unconscious and, and he was, uh, he was concussed. Um, so it was, it was very difficult for him. Um, you know, he ultimately couldn't go to Pyeongchang and his career ended there cause he was in his, or he's, he was in his early thirties at the time. And that was going to be his last season and last Olympics and kind of finish his career that way. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, you know, that, that really was, was a, a life changing event. Um, and it was very scary for me because I heard the whole thing and I wasn't sure if he was alive or, or kind of how, um, how that was going to affect him and I had to get on a plane home um so the whole time I was sitting there not knowing what was going to happen wow. so um his goal was to be uh, a two-time Olympian uh so go to two Olympics and he um he did great in Sochi but only kind of was able to go to one Olympics um so I decided to come back out of retirement and try and make Tokyo uh, so that he can come with me and he can say he's been to two Olympics and I know it's not the same because he wanted yeah. to compete yeah. But it was something. So that was my inspiration. And so I returned to the tour at the end of 2018. Um, and uh, so it's been like a year and a half, I guess. Um, we're getting close to two years, I guess. Yes. Yeah, not really. Yes, yeah, a year yeah. and a half now. And uh, yeah, I mean, the return has been good. I think in the beginning, um, you know, it was I, I lost early in a few events and then I started to find my group as I played more and then I went from you know um zero to now I'm in the top 50 after like a year and a half but I That's broke awesome. back yeah it was it was a quick climb um I didn't necessarily feel like it as I was going through it but, yeah, sure. um, <laughs> but yeah a few good results really really helped and um that was great and in terms of a doubles partner I mean it was like speed dating for the first year and a bit especially because I was kind of getting, I was moving up the rankings um, quickly. So I was moving from the smaller events into bigger and bigger and bigger events. So mm -hmm. I couldn't really consistently stay with the same person. Um, so I, I've, I mean, I played with over 20 partners. Um, so that was interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, recently at the beginning of this year, I started to play more with Katarina Bondarenko. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so she's great. And uh, we did well together. We beat our first match together, we beat the world number four team. Um, and then we got to the finals of Acapulco and won Monterey and then COVID hit. So um, we kind of did well there. We played together for a few events and really enjoy playing together, really enjoy each other. So we're hoping that, um, you know, we'll be able to keep playing together. Um, obviously, we have to see what happens. Um, Where is she right now training or is she... 
She's in the U.S. Uh, she's a mom. She's got two girls. Uh, so she's also balancing that when she does come back and play, like she's going to have to be traveling with her family. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see how the tour is going to accommodate that with like all these restrictions and everything that they're going to have. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, at this point, yep. it's really plan. But overall, it's been really great. I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm liking the life balance a lot more. Um, it was tough. I was on the road a lot because, as you can imagine, uh, there wasn't a lot of time between end of 2018 and the Tokyo was supposed to be Tokyo Games. It's like a right. you know just two years. Yeah. So um, I was just doing the best I could, playing as much as I could, and uh, trying to get my ranking up. So now it's kind of nice to have a bit of a, a breather. So. Um, we'll see how it goes. Well, that's that's a great story. I didn't know that that's sort of uh, what sort of led you into competitive tennis again. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, obviously, that drive beats anything else you can have, really, because if you're doing it for someone that you love and, uh, you know, you want to make that sort of a compact, you know, team effort almost. And I'm, yeah. I'm sure, you, I mean, you would have, he would have had a chance to go there with you. Yeah, I mean, I would have loved to go with him, um, but, you know, I'm hopeful that, that, you know, the Tokyo Games will happen next year and that Dylan will be able to come with me. Exactly, be, uh, hopefully. Yeah, and he's so, he's, he's really supportive and, um, you know, his, our sports are very different, but there's so much wisdom that I'm very fortunate to extract from him because figure skating is a judge sport, which is very different from tennis um and it's also a sport where you know a season is basically like 30 35 minutes of performing time right. um you know, routines are like two to four minutes depending and you compete in six to eight competitions a year so like there's a ton of buildup and pressure for like you know one moment it's sort of like you have to go out on the court and hit four aces in a row um and then that's it you know yeah. so it's it's yeah it's very stressful so it's really cool to to be able to to sh to learn um a lot about the mental performance side of it from him of which course. is really yeah and that's a great analogy there yeah i mean it's sort of like it's so different when you're being judged for every single move you make out on the ice versus in tennis where there's so many errors that you're going to be making no matter how well you're playing there's going to be errors totally yeah. exactly no that's awesome and so i mean you know, like when I think of you, I think of sort of the drive and the passion and the energy that that comes along with with you as a performer out on court. And I watched you compete at uh, the Van Open you know, at Hollyburn when 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 you were playing uh, singles back then. And so, you know, like what are some things that you believe strongly in as a player that that have helped you become the top level player that you are right now and and that keeps you from continuing to improve? Um, I think. There's a lot of lessons um, that I've learned, and I've definitely mellowed out since those years. Uh, <laughs> a lot more chill, and, really? and, and oh yeah, emotionally, oh, good. Uh, and I guess overall psychologically balanced on court. Mm -hmm. um, so one thing that has been, you know, if you if you keep if you keep going after something, I truly believe that you will improve and you will find success. Um, whatever your goal is. I think that, um, especially in a sport like tennis, there's a lot of ups and downs. And I feel like, you know, maybe 20, 30% of the time you're doing super well, 20, 30% of the time you're doing really not well. And then there's like that big chunk of, you know, 
of the year where it's kind of average and um and and you know that's why you have so many chances to compete in every week and the ranking system is built to take your best 11 or best 16 events is because you're you know you're human everyone's human you're gonna have great days you're gonna have not so good days you're gonna win on bad days and you're gonna lose on good days and um i just it's so important to just really enjoy that process as much as it can be difficult and frustrating um you have to you have to shift what you deem as success and it needs to be a lot more uh, process oriented instead of results oriented because you can't control your results there's too many variables in there with a sport like tennis um i also find that it's really important to take tennis very seriously and 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 obviously as a professional tennis player it's my job um but not too seriously because at the same time i am not tennis is not who i am it's what i do and i feel that um you know especially in a sport like tennis where you have to be intense but at the same time relaxed as you're playing it's really important to find joy in it and be and 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 find aspects about the sport and things outside your life that when you come on court you have that that aspect of relaxation so that when you play you can really go for it and feel free because as an athlete you're never going to play your best or perform your best if there isn't some sense of freedom because you have to be able to go for it and 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 you have to feel um, excited to you know, take your chances. Um, so that's been, to me anyways, I've found that tennis, um, my tennis has improved by having like more hobbies in my life and more life balance and, and finding joy in other things so that not everything is so, um, you know, so important. Every shot I hit isn't live or die, you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, I can go on court, do my job, enjoy it, go for it, work hard, have fun, and then like compartmentalize and then go off and do something else. I find that like that has brought me a lot more freedom and happiness and joy. So um, yeah, I, I would say those are the, the main things that are really important um, and have helped me with That's awesome. Success. You summed it up so well. That's <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy for you that you, you know, you're finding that sort of way of viewing it, right? Because obviously when, when tennis, players get associated to just tennis and that becomes their life. It can become a little too much and too obsessive sometimes. And like anything uh, in tennis or whether it be other sports or, or careers, right? So it's, it's nice to have that balance. And, you know, it's, it's a blessing to be able to find that within any, for anybody. So yeah. That's, that's good to hear. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, like you've had quite a great singles career overall in your life and, you, you know, you started really young and is it at, 13 that you won the under 18 the nationals and so forth so you you were quite young when you were playing singles and you you traveled a lot and you 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 played well and so you know what are some lessons learned if, if there's someone that's younger it's a junior that's listening in to sort of how can they take their career into a pathway where they're doing well but also keeping things in check yeah um i mean i guess for myself when I was younger, it wasn't an amazing example of balance. I, mm -hmm. I was, you know, I, I, I worked very hard. I was pushed very hard. Um, and I responded to it. Uh, so I think my success, um, as a young junior was because of my mental fortitude. Um, so as a young 
as a young athlete, um, yeah, that's sort of what I was known for. So I would definitely say for, for kids, like it is so important to have that resilience because um, if you are going to pursue tennis at a high level, whether that's um, nationally or you want to go to university or you want to try and play on tour, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. There's going to be a lot of blood, sweat and tears. So you have to be strong. Um, and yeah. sometimes it's okay to have a breakdown. That's part of building your adversity muscles is going through adversity and it might not always be pretty, but just getting through it makes you stronger. Even if it's not, even if you know, you're getting through it with a ton of tears, you're getting through it. Don't give up. Just keep going, you know, um, next small step, next small step. So, um, it's okay not to be okay. It's, it's in fact normal, but if you just keep pushing through, you'll see good results for sure. Um, at the same time, uh, I would honestly say, you know, one thing that I didn't do as much as I would have liked to growing up, uh, I wish that I prioritized developing weapons um, and, and being more aggressive and actually even losing more, I think, as a junior. Um, you know, I think I was very successful because I was extremely consistent and I was very quick on the court. So I was you know, I would want to win every single point that I played and I never missed. So I was a nightmare to play. But as you get older, <laughs> one, as you get older. Yeah, one of my you, notes is I would hate to play it against you. <laughs> oh, sure. I know exactly what, yeah, what you mean there. Yeah. For sure. So the thing is, though, as you get older and, you're, and, and everyone else gets older and better, um, it's, not, it's not enough to be able to just put the ball back in the court because people get, they're stronger and they're faster and they can hit winners on you. So um, as a junior, I would say like, take chances, make mistakes, sacrifice some results in order to develop weapons, because in order to develop a weapon, like a big serve or a really, um, you know, a really threatening ground stroke or a good net game or variety, all these things take time You to master something. It takes reps. It takes hours and hours and hours of reps. And as a kid, it's almost like you got to say, okay, I'm just putting in my 10,000 hours. And it's okay if you lose early. It's okay if you're missing more. It's okay if you don't have the results maybe you want when you're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Like, because, you know, these, it's hard to think about it when you're that age, but those trophies mean nothing. Like, I, I don't know where any of my junior trophies are. Yeah. I would sacrifice all of them to have big weapons as a professional. So, um, you know, as hard as it is, uh, focus on the process. Um, keep having a vision of the player you see yourself being in the future and how you want to play and make the choices to be that player and uh, accept that there's going to be mistakes and that you're going to, you're going to um, sacrifice some results mm -hmm. in order to be that person in the future. But it's like 100% worth it. Yeah, that's awesome. And so now going into doubles uh, again, and I know we're jumping a little bit back and forth there, but what are some skills that you're developing as a doubles player, whether it's psychologically or, or tactically or physically, or um, that you're having to adjust to? Because it is quite different when you're alone out there on the court versus, you know, having somebody next to you there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's a completely different game. Uh, just because you're a good singles player doesn't mean you're a good doubles player. Mm -hmm. And just because you're a good doubles player doesn't mean you're a good singles player. So it's, it's very different. I mean, doubles the points are super short, you know, in singles, they can be short depending on your game style, but for the most part, they're longer. So in doubles, there's, there's no rallying. You're not trying to like hit like a quality ball that you can do eight or nine or 10 times. You're just like 
I got to be a super good first striker. My serve has to have some sort of impact. It needs to either be, you know, a point, a serve where you get free points or a serve that makes your opponent uncomfortable so that you can set up your partner. Um, so there's a lot more strategy in that way. And you're, you're also forced to be a lot more courageous because if you hope that your opponents are going to miss in doubles, you are like more than likely going to lose. Um, mm -hmm. I always find, I find that for the most part, the most aggressive team wins. So even if you're afraid, you have to go for it. The mentality in doubles is if you back off, you're probably going to lose. Um, but if you go for it, even if you're afraid or nervous or not confident, you have a better chance of winning. So the choice is, you know, the choice to be passive isn't even there. Like if you want to win, you got to go for it because you're going to lose for sure if you don't. Um, so developing that skill, that, that bravery, um, has been really heightened in playing doubles. Also, um, it's been really fun because you hit a lot more volleys and you hit a lot more like freestyle shots that you don't learn you know what i mean there's one thing to go out there and like groove a shot and groove a perfect volley and groove your return or whatever but once you start playing points like you're hitting things and weird impact points and you know it's yeah. the the rule book goes up the window you really just have to be instinctual and creative um you have to communicate you have to be super positive because you're playing with a partner so you can't, you have to check yourself mentally as well, because if you're negative, the other person feels it. Um, so you have to be just like really cheery. Um, and the last thing I would say is doubles points. Um, there's like no ads and the points are super short and deciding third set tiebreakers. So you have to be dialed in from like the first moment. Cause if you snooze for like two minutes or you have a slow start, that's like half the match. It's, mm -hmm. it's just, it changes like that. Mm -hmm. So um, you just have to be on, you have to find a way to like dial in ASAP. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, a lot of what we do as coaches is teach doubles. I mean, it's a very popular uh, it's a very popular sport. It's it, it's well, it's almost a sport on its own in a way. It's very different than singles, and it's so dominant in in club play. And uh, you know, a big part of that, and, and watching women's doubles is the support that comes from one player to the other and the communication. So, you know, what would you say? Sort of some key things are in communicating with your doubles partner, whether it's in between points or at the changeovers, or you know, before a match or after a match. You know, how important is that? And for you and, and how are you finding a way of maximizing that to be positive? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really person dependent mm -hmm. because uh, everyone has different personalities and it's not right or wrong. Some people are more introverted and prefer not to talk much. And some people are super extroverted and communicative and they just, they constantly need that reassurance and that feedback and like, tell me, talk to me, explain to me. So I think the most important thing is like figuring out a person or a partner um, that you connect most with in that sense, because I think that the experience will be a lot more enjoyable if your partner and you are compatible. Um, another thing, and it's a big rule for me is I do not, I prefer to play with people um, that I can smile with on court and that I can laugh with. Um, when I was, when singles was my priority, my coach would tell me, I, 
my only criteria for you for doubles is finding a partner that you can smile and laugh on court with. That's it. Um, so I think that that's, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of wisdom to that because as I mentioned before, playing well, playing your best is, I feel like very associated with feeling free and feeling freed up to play. Now I, I know that like, it's, it's not a, it's not a perfect situation in the sense that, um, like you're all, you are going to feel nerves and all that stuff, but you want to, you want to feel that your partner is supporting you and encouraging you to go for it and to play the way you can. Because if the worst thing is to have someone telling you like, okay, don't miss or just get, just get it in, just, you know, just stop missing or just put it in the court. It's <laughs> so stressful. Like, no, 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 that's, that's never going to help. You want to be with someone's like, Oh, great. Try keep going for it. Like you got it. You're right there. So, uh, someone that you feel comfortable with, um, and positive has a positive vibe, I think is so important. So looking for that and also being that as a partner, it's really important. Um, you know, you, you want to give to your partner what you would hope to receive from them. So, um, I hope, uh, yeah, I hope that was a helpful answer. No, that's awesome. Oh, no, for sure. And you see that all the time. The players and the doubles teams that have the most amount of fun quite often are also doing quite well. Uh, you rarely see a doubles team doing well and they're looking miserable out there on, <laughs> on court. Totally. And, and is, is mixed doubles part of your plans at any point or? I, I mean, I hope so. Uh, they only have it at the slams and at the Olympics. So um, I was hopeful that, um, you know, I, I mean, COVID happened, but I was hopeful to be playing some mixed doubles slams. If the U.S. Open does happen, there is no mixed doubles, um, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But any opportunity that I can play, I, I would love to, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you should see if you can get Daniel out of retirement. One more time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be laughing too much I wouldn't be yeah, I think so too and so and so what about your work with uh I know you did some did some work on commentating with the Roger Scouts in the past and so forth do you see yourself doing some of that more in the future yeah definitely and um you know I I haven't had a ton of opportunities to be able to do work with Sportsnet since I've been back like I did a couple hits at the Rogers Cup um last summer um, but that's something that I really want to do, uh, when I eventually retire again for the final time. Um, I'd okay, love don't retire yet. You're so young. Yeah. Still. You've got time. <laughs> Thank you. I'd love to, um, I'd love to have that. I'd love to, to continue commentating as much as possible. Um, so hopefully as I'm playing, we can figure out a way to, to keep that balance going and, and do assignments when I can, but uh yeah absolutely i'd love to see that in my future a lot more that's awesome well sharon it's been awesome seeing you through yeah. the computer even if that is instead of uh at boku for coffee but um yeah you know, oh I'm, i really wish you all the best as well as uh dylan hope he's doing well and um keep up the great work you know i think you inspire a lot of people thank you so much yeah. i really appreciate it. it was great chatting with you and Stay safe and healthy. And if you're ever in the Toronto area, please let me know. We will. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of your day. You okay. too. Bye. Bye.